I am in part four on my Shavuot Pentecost series, and we are looking at spiritual warfare. I've entitled this, Ephesians 6, The Belt of Truth, The Belt of Truth. In our war against evil authorities and wicked powers, truth is a powerful weapon. I want you to think of Egypt and our ancestors in Egypt, which is really kind of uh, prefiguring the ultimate battle that comes at the end of time with the ultimate Egypt, Babylon, if you will, in the final war between good and evil. So in our war against evil, evil authorities and wicked powers, truth is a powerful weapon. It is dynamic. It's alive. It's a game changer in this war against darkness. The serpent, the evil one, employs and weaponizes lies and deceit as a strategy to enslave us. His earthly representatives also lie and deceive. Genesis 3, the war is between the offspring of the woman, Eve, and the offspring of the serpent, the children of the evil one and the children of the righteous one, a war between the children of light and the children of darkness, both in the heavenlies and in our realm, our world. Lies and deceit are no match for the truth. They ultimately bow and retreat in the face of truth. This is why we are called to be people of the truth. We are commissioned to speak it, to proclaim it, and more importantly, to accomplish it. This is how we confront evil. This is how we resist. This is how we shall overcome it in the end. So let's take a closer look at truth as a weapon in our arsenal of spiritual warfare. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We'll begin reading in verse 10. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Just real quick, keep in mind, our battle is not primarily against other human beings. They're just pawns. The ultimate war that we're engaged with is wicked powers in the heavenlies, demonic agencies, fallen angels, all of this evil apostasy under the rulership of Satan who then has brought it to this world and is trying to overthrow God's rightful claim over creation. This is who we battle against. These are the true enemies. Tackle them, remove them, and your earthly enemy will become your friend. Verse 13, Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything, to stand firm. Verse 14, our verse today. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. How many people have loins? How many people do not have loins? How many people don't know 
what loins are. Every head bowed. So loins in the ancient world, because everyone, you know, they were wearing more like tunics. So if you were having to go into battle, you can't run. You have no stride if you're wearing a robe. So you would take and you would pull it up and you'd tie it around your waist, fasten it high so you could get into the war, move around. Because if you're not mobile, you're going down. So we don't wear robes today. So really what we would translate that as today would be something like fasten truth around your waist like a belt. How many people have belts? How many people have no belt? No belts? Everyone has a belt. Some of you didn't raise your hand. Well, we know you have belts in your closet, and it's time to come out of the closet. So we get it. Fasten truth around your waist like a belt. You know, men who wear their pants without a belt are not very mobile. Not all men, but, you know, you see, you see mostly the younger generation, they... They don't have a belt, and their pants are too big, and they let their pants come way down, way down, you know. And then they have to walk. They have to stretch their... They have to kind of walk like this, and kind, they kind of hold, hold their pants, you know. It's like, what? You know, I cannot tell you. I cannot tell you how many times I wanted to go, you know. I'd be in line at a store or whatever. I just want to go and grab the pants and lift them up to about their chest. You know, and just say, hey, wanted to help you. Your pants were falling off. <laughs> Didn't dare do that, though. That tattoos on the neck prevented me as well. <laughs> but really, you know, without a belt, you're not very mobile. In war, you want to make sure that your pants are fastened properly. Because in a war, that's where you're going to carry your magazines. You ever see you ever see troops or even even the military or police force and so forth? Yeah, they have some pretty big belts because they got their clips on their belts, and those belts have to be secure. Because if you don't have your clips, you're not going to get too far in your war against whatever it is that you've confronted in spiritual warfare. You better have truth ordered and wrapped around your waist and ready to be deployed. Think again of the belt that holds gun magazines and each bullet in the magazine. Think in terms of the bullet representing a truth, a core truth in our battle against lies and falsehoods around us. Here's the big question. How many bullets do you have? Have you invested in spiritual ammo? Are you gathering truths? How many clips do you have? How many bullets in your arsenal? I know speaking about war can be a turnoff. But this is how Paul casts our conflict with evil in terms of warfare and armor. I'm making it clear that we're talking about a spiritual war. I'm not talking about going and getting literal bullets and, 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 and magazines and, 
and, and going against other humans that, that are on the opposite side of whatever we're on. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a, a, a literal spiritual warfare that we're called to then gain armor in order to take it down because its goal is to snuff you out. So, we're called to gather truth and put it on as a belt around our waists if we're going to overcome evil in our world and in our lives. Spiritually speaking, load, aim, shoot, would translate to when a lie or falsehood is presented. We then would answer with the appropriate and corresponding truth. We're to speak it in love and with confidence and with no apology. Truth doesn't need an apology. We're to, to deploy truth against the lies and the falsehoods until they drop like a Chinese spy balloon out of the sky. We need to take falsehoods, expose them, bring them to the ground. The big question for all of us is, what is truth, right? What is truth? And more importantly, where would we find it? Let's start with the Apostle John. In chapter 17, we read in verses 13 to 19, Jesus says, but now I've come to you, and these things I speak in the world so that you may have my joy made full in yourselves. I have given them, he's praying to the Father, speaking of his followers, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. God says, being a friend of the world is like committing adultery. Don't do that to me. Friendship with the world amounts to adultery. The world doesn't love you. The world doesn't even like you. The world hates you. It's an irrational, baseless hatred. Have you ever had that just launched at you? I, I don't know about you, but... I have people that just hate me. They don't like me. And there's no rhyme or reason. I'm serious. Yes, on occasion, there are people that are upset with me and, and they need to be, and it is my fault. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that don't even know me that just have this natural hatred that they can't even explain. I could tell you stories, but then you'd probably figure out who, and then people would be mad because it's I'm naming names, so I won't do that. But it's just crazy when I have this like hatred come against me or you have hatred come against you and it doesn't really make any rhyme or reason other than, wow, I think it's just kind of a spiritual thing than anything else. 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world but to keep them from the evil one. Don't lift them out of the warfare. Father, don't take them out of the crisis. Preserve them in the midst of the battle. Verse 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. 
we're aliens. We're not of this world. But we're going to overtake it. Our divine invader has come. And he is redeeming and reclaiming creation for our God. John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Set them, set them apart with the truth. Your word is truth. Where do we find truth? You find truth in his word. His word, the scriptures, are truth. Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I've also sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in the truth. God's word is the baseline of truth. It is the objective, objective data that we use to measure all ideas, all positions. It's outside of us. It's his word. It's the benchmark that we have to discover what is true and what is false. The psalmist puts it this way. Psalm 119, verse 142. Your righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your law is truth. In the Hebrew, your Torah is truth. Torah being the instructions of God. God, your instructions to us are truth. Psalm 119, 151. You are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. God's commandments are manifestations of truth in regard to what the command is. People, it, it, it's simple in the sense of, of, of where truth can be found and what truth is. Living it out, now that's a challenge. But finding it, it's there for everyone who is searching. Psalm 119, 160. The sum of your word, the sum of your word is truth. So we know where to go to get truth on any matter, anything. We go to the creator who created all things seen and unseen. He knows everything about everything. Tr truth equates to that which is real. We call that reality. So if you want to know what's true and real, you go to the creator who created reality. Because if you're not living in relationship to reality, well, it's the very definition of delusion, which leads to insanity, which leads to misery, and ultimately to death, the loss of hope. So truth, truth, truth. Why is it so important in the scheme of things? Let's come back to Paul. He's going to be, uh, I'm going to be reading from a different book of Paul, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. And he has a little bit different angle on the importance of truth, but it is germane to our subject. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 through 12. Now we request you, brethren, with regard to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as if from us, 
to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. So, in, in reference to the day of his return, judgment, the resurrection, all, all those things that we place at his return, he says, let no one deceive you in any way, for it will not come unless the apostasy comes first. First, we have to have a great falling away among those who profess to know Jesus. Great falling away. You, 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 apostasy means to fall away, which means you have to be in line with and at one with whatever it is that you subsequently fall away from. So this great apostasy has to come first. And then the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? And you know what restrains him now, so that in his time he will be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Okay, lawlessness is all about falling away from the Torah, and the Torah is truth. Lawlessness is about wandering away from the truth into that sphere in which everything is subjective, where everyone has their own truths, if you will. This is the mystery of lawlessness. This is what is the earmark of the last days, is lawlessness. It's already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then that lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power, signs, and false wonders. Man, we live in a world that's hyper-spiritual. It's not just a natural realm. Everyone knows that it's integrated with or overladen with, interacting with a spiritual realm. Everyone, even the unbelievers, even those who say there is no God, everyone is connecting with spiritual phenomenon in some way, in some context. And that's all going to ramp up because the enemy's camp it's filled with evil power. It has its own signs and wonders. Satan can do his own miracles. Believe me, we see that in Egypt in the first three miracles that take place. The priests of Egypt do the same things. The, the point, of course, that I want to make is that the power of God is much greater, of course. But the power of the evil one is sufficient enough to lead many, many people astray. Verse 10. And with all the deception of wickedness, speaking of lies and falsehoods, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of truth so as to be saved. Because they didn't love the truth, the truth that could have saved them, because they balked at that, because they mocked that. They fell prey to the deception of wickedness, and in the end are swept away 
They didn't love the truth. They had no regard for truth. For this reason, verse 11, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false. Who's going to send it? God. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence. Who? Those that didn't love the truth. Remember Pharaoh? God hardened his heart. Everyone's like, well, what's that with free will, though? I mean, that's kind of mean. You harden his heart, and then you hold him accountable? Now, what you find in the story is four separate times before God hardens his heart, Pharaoh already hardens his heart towards the Lord. Will not listen to him. Stubborn. Hardens his own heart four different times. And then God says that he's going to harden Pharaoh's heart. What does that tell us? It tells us that God's saying, hey, since you already made your decision to be hard-hearted and you've demonstrated that four times in a row, let me help you out. Oh, you're trying to harden your heart? Let me help you with that. That's what God did with Pharaoh. And God's saying, you don't love the truth? You like lies and deception of falsehoods? Let me help you with that. Let me hound you over to that. Who's he handing over? Those who willfully disregarded the truth over and over and over. He finally says, okay, if that's what you want, let me help you out. And he sends a delusion that's irresistible. And now you're toast. For this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. Verse 13. But we should always give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God has chosen you from the beginning for salvation through sanctification and how? By the Spirit, by the Spirit, and, and underline this part, Faith in the truth. Faith in the truth. You got to seek truth. It's available. You got to amass truth and you got to believe in the truth. And as you do that, you are going to become effective at understanding evil, its agenda, its misery and death. And you're going to be able to resist it, even in the end, overthrow it. It was for this that he called you through our gospel, that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brethren, stand firm. That's what he's saying in Ephesians, right? When you've done all to stand, then stand your ground. He says again here, so then, brethren, stand firm. Hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by uh, uh, word of mouth or by letter from us. So let, let me bring this to a close because I want to get to a really important announcement. Conclusion. Application. We need to learn how to put on the belt of truth and use it as a weapon in our spiritual warfare. This is going to require us to spend time daily and weekly with Jesus and in the Word, accumulating knowledge, wisdom, and understanding as it relates to our lives and the world that we live in. Spending time in the Word will lead us into the truth, that which is real, true, and eternal. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says, chapter 10 and verse 3, 
For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Now, we're going to have conflict with human beings and with corrupt leaders. But our war is not with them. And we don't war according to the flesh. Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Fortresses, ideologies that are well-developed. There is no God, just we ourselves. That's a fortress. You'll encounter that in your first year in college. There is no Savior. We'll be our own saviors. There's no such thing as absolute truth. Everything is relative and subjective to my own truth. There's no such thing as morality. We're just highly evolved mammals. We're just highly evolved animals. There's no morality. Morality presupposes a God. Sexuality has no boundaries. I will express it any way I want, with anyone I want, whenever I want. Gender has no limits. I will decide for myself what I want in regard to gender ideologies. All of these are fortresses. Education is unimportant. My kids will do just fine without it. Really? The local church is unimportant and irrelevant to my choices. Therefore, I will refrain from making a commitment to it and spiritual authority represented in the elders. You know, I, I got born again when I was 18. I was raised as a devout Catholic in a, in, a, in a very devout Catholic home. And I turned 18 years old, and I had to say to myself, you know what, like everyone else that becomes an adult, at some point when you become an adult, you find this in the Word of God, at some point you cannot live off your parents' faith. You wrote on their coattails, and that was important, but not as an adult. As an adult, you have to make your own decision now. It's my, my soul. It's my eternity. I've got to decide for myself as an adult where I'm going to plug in and go to church. And I decided I'm going to choose a, Bible-y, uh, a Bible-believing church. Not that the Catholic Church isn't Bible-believing. They are. They just have tradition and an ongoing open tradition which is equal to that Bible that we all hold so dear. That didn't work for me. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. I'm thinking, why are we not keeping the Sabbath? And, and, and my parish priest is telling me, well, it's tradition. Uh, you know, tra- we change that. That's part of our tradition. Well, tradition doesn't work for me, not when it undermines the Word of God. So I had to make a decision. I'm going to join a different church. Now, I knew if I joined a different church, that I'd be on the outs with my parents my siblings, my cousins, I'd be on the out. But you know what? I decided I'm no longer a child. I'm a man, and I need to make the right decision as the Lord leads me, even if it means my parents and siblings and others are going to diss me for a while. It's okay. It's okay. So I made that decision, joined a church, submitted to elders. I've been thankful ever since. Life is unimportant. You know, human life is not that important. So sacrificing my children in the sanctuaries of Planned Parenthood is my prerogative. I get it. It's true. If life isn't sacred. On the other hand, if it is, well, I might want to rethink that. I don't have to tithe. The law has been done away with. Besides, it's my money. 
I don't need dietary instructions. My body is designed to perish anyway. I'll eat whatever I want. You know, really? Yeah, that works when you're young because you can do that. Yeah, you get some chronic illnesses later in life, you might want to rethink dietary issues, right? I don't need a good paying job. Just give me my government phone, my welfare checks, some Prozac, and a tiny little place to sleep, and I'll be just fine. That's a slave mentality. We're called to be free men and free women. These are just a few of the ideologies that are like fortresses in our culture. They shape us, and they have their consequences, their effects. I'm saying, hey, it's time to challenge everything with the truth, with what God says, and then champion that truth. Embrace it, live it, and share it. Therein we find the blessings. Verse 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That's why we scrutinize all the ideologies. That's why we debate and midrash. That's why we seek for truth because we know in the truth lies the blessing. And we want that blessing not only for our lives, but for everyone around us as well. Our job is to embrace the truth, live the truth, and share the truth. There's a war, a war against who we are, a war against our marriages, our families, and it's time for us to engage the enemy in battle. We have our work cut out for us, but we can accomplish it by the power of the Holy Spirit in us for the glory of Jesus. We're to be a people that brings blessing. And that blessing comes through the revelation of who Jesus is and his ways. So let's spend time daily. Let's be in his word. Let's be accountable to one another. Let's join a church and submit to elders. Let's embrace truth and share it and live it and do that beginning tomorrow in a greater way than we've done it in the past. We're coming out of Egypt and coming out requires an encounter with the truth and an embrace of it. So I encourage you to step it up in your spiritual warfare. Let's put on the belt of truth.